This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Mind Your Own Podcast with Aaron Sorensen and Sasha Durkin. Where we stick to sports, except when we're not. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Own Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Sasha. And I can't help it. My computer sounds like it's going to just explode once again. <laughs> I have decided this is just a common occurrence. Anytime I record anything, my computer decides it just cannot handle it can't handle it. So if is you it too nice, hot to handle? <laughs> yes, it's too hot to handle. If you hear a nice little like breeze in the background, that's just my computer getting ready to take flight <laughs> at any time. But Sasha, how are you from rainy Nebraska? I'm good. I like, I'm, I dig the water because I planted flowers in like our front yard. So like, I don't have to go out and do it after work, but also like I would really enjoyed not having any more rain for maybe a day just one yeah I'm so every every year we plant our garden a little bit early just because I'm impatient like I know they say like wait till around like Mother's Day but it's always Mm -hmm. like a week or two before that and I definitely get tired of watering very quickly because it's like (laughs) I just give myself like so much extra time to have to water but while this has been really nice, I'm also starting to think some of my plants are a little done with yeah. the amount of water. And I also None feel like I'm sunshine. now in, well, and now we're in the part where like, I'm going to have to be racing outside, like maybe even like this afternoon or in two evenings from now, like pulling plants inside because there's a chance of like hail mm. and severe storms. And I understand like some people will just leave them outside. I can't do that. And then I start to panic about like the, peony bush and is it going to destroy that so then I'm like standing outside trying to cover them with <laughs> uh sheets like my neighbors probably think I'm bonkers <laughs> but it's okay I just really care about the garden that I'm already tired of watering so yeah. thank you for the rain but please just don't demolish everything <laughs> agreed agreed I love a good summer thunderstorm though. So like yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. I just don't love severe weather. I would be fine passing on that. I hate hail. I hate like, especially when it's at night, like give mm-hmm. me like a good daytime thunderstorm, but it's yeah. always like 3 a.m. Yeah. And it wakes you up and sometimes it's hard to fall back asleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I well, like thunderstorms though. to me last night, but I was dreaming it. I woke up mm. at like. I woke up like an hour before my alarm and then could not fall back asleep because I was like imagining thunder and I don't know what I was hearing. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was one of my neighbors like pulling their big trash can because those things sound like thunder or an earthquake. Um, Anybody who lives in the city of Omaha knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) They gave us these new yard waste and trash bins and like they, they are thunderous when they get rolled anywhere. (laughs) So I don't know if I was like hearing that, but something woke me up where I was like, is that thunder? And I looked at the radar and there wasn't any rain anywhere near. So I'm like, I'm obviously making this up, but then I couldn't fall back asleep. So I actually like just woke myself up Mm -hmm. thinking that there was a storm, but there wasn't. I wish there was a way that we could prevent them from happening overnight. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) We need to get a meteorologist on the podcast and just ask questions. Yeah. Have Rusty, have Rusty Dawkins on and just be like, why does this happen? (laughs) We need answers. We need answers. Well, just to kind of get this off at the top of the show, just as an FYI, for the next two weeks, it's going to be a little bit different of a schedule for the Mind Your Own podcast. There will not be an episode the week of Memorial Day. Uh, We're going to be taking that week off. The week after is to be determined. Mm -hmm. We may also be taking that week off, but it's just because Sasha is taking vacation. I am thankfully going to take vacation. So 
we may record something in advance, but that's still up in the air. But if you're looking for the podcast, it may be, it's for sure not going to be here for one week and then may be a second, but it'll be a great time to catch up on a lot of episodes. If you haven't listened to the whole catalog of mind your own podcasts, but just wanted to get that off the top, get that out of the way off the top that you may, you may be missing us for a week or two and we apologize. We will miss you too, but we work hard and um, it's been a really long time since I went on vacation. Yes. And so um, I think uh, it's time. Yeah. The one thing about the pandemic that was like really, really just the reality of this is like, I kind of had this moment of realization at one point that it was like, I'm at home. And while I feel like I have all this extra freedom to kind of do things the way I want to build my schedule, which is kind of how my job works to begin with, especially in certain times of the year. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it also meant that like, I wasn't taking time off. Mm -hmm. Like it kind of felt pointless, even like I understand that there's value to doing this, but like to take like a Friday off and take that Friday off just to sit at home when I've already been sitting at home. Yeah. So this pandemic made it really difficult to feel like I was taking any time. And so I would say that's probably the one thing too, as we start to come to the other side of the pandemic, obviously we're nowhere, like it's not over yet, Mm -hmm. but like, as we start to have some normals, normalcy return, like finding time to carve out like a vacation. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's important. Definitely. Well, and, um, I don't, I honestly don't think that Brian and I have been on an actual like vacation vacation since our honeymoon and Mm. our fourth anniversary is in August. So (laughs) it's been a while you deserve it we all do we all need a break if you've been working hard you need a break um and Sasha certainly has so I'm excited for you so that also means everyone else will have to just spend two weeks without us yeah but that does give you time to catch up on any previous episodes you may have missed yes but before we get there we do have this episode and I was kind of thinking about what can we talk about And I'm going to share how I got there. I'm going to do a little bit of a humble brag. I'm going to like pat myself on the back just a little bit to get there because I was thinking about something that I, that happened to me this week and I was just like really excited about it. Mm -hmm. And I was selected to be a part of one of the galvanized boot camps this summer, which I was selected for the chargers camp. It's virtual this year. And in in more normal years, it would be in person, but the NFL is still being very cautious with COVID totally understand. So I will be participating in this boot camp virtually, but just the fact that I was selected, uh, my boot camp only has, I think 21 women, including myself. So it's very small. It's going to be incredible for networking and building just like a community within the world of women in sports who are covering actively working in this industry, but also really good for my own personal professional development. I'm really excited. And as I was like looking through the list of all of these women, I'm looking at their timelines. I'm looking at the things that they share. And it just got me really excited because I'm watching all of these women they're sharing all of these successes of other women in sports, Mm -hmm. whether it's women who've gotten really cool jobs or women who have done really cool things in sports. Like it was just neat to look at these timelines and start to follow some of them because I feel like women tend to share a lot about other women. Mm -hmm. I don't see a lot of like men. I, I just don't, I don't see a lot of men sharing about women in sports. And in fact, like, there are some times where I see a topic and I'm like, yes, I'm glad that that was covered. But at the exact same time, like it felt like it feels like the bare minimum Mm -hmm. in a way for like something to be acknowledged. So long story short, we're going to spend this podcast just talking about some cool things that women have done in sports and just some topics that are happening around the world of women in sports, things that you should be paying attention to caring about right now because there is always a lot going on and you've all asked us how can I support and this is a good way is just knowing what's going on so I part of the reason my computer is going to explode is I just pulled up a whole bunch of tabs like I have right now 
like 10 tabs open on my computer. <laughs> They're not all different stories. Some are different angles on a story. But this is my point for anyone who is like, how can I be more intentional with my, like, with just paying attention to yeah. what's happening for women in sports? And honestly, it's just as simple as like Google follow people on Twitter that are going to talk about and share things that maybe are outside of like what you normally uh, would seek out. Like that's really easy way. Those are easy, easy ways. Right. So we are going to start with, I'm going to bookend this with like two really cool things that happened for women this week. And then in the middle, do some news stories. So we're going to start with something that happened at Nebraska. So the Nebraska men's basketball team added a member to its staff on um, earlier in this week, I realized depending on when you're listening to this, saying a day does not matter. Right. But anyway, they've <laughs> added a new member to its staff. Her name is Shannon Loom, and she will serve as their serve as the Huskers recruiting coordinator, which is a newly created position at Nebraska. So, I want to just start here. She is the second female to currently hold the recruiting coordinator position at a power five men's basketball program. But on top of that, she's the first of Asian American and Pacific Islander descent to hold the position of recruiting coordinator. She is five foot two, never played college basketball. She's 24 years old. She comes highly recommended. She has worked her butt off to get where she's at. Mm -hmm. And this is what Fred Hoiberg said about her. Shannon brings experience working for both the Pac-12 and Big East programs, and she provides our staff with another value pers valuable perspective as we look for ways to elevate our program. She will focus really heavily on the NCAA transfer portal, um, and she will be managing the recruiting database and assisting with recruiting research. She'll help with scouting, self-scouting, game preparation, which, you know, looks at a lot of film. These are things that she has done previously for both the Cal women's basketball team she interned at Stanford for their women's basketball team. And when she was at St. John's University, she was a um, head manager and operations assistant for their ba men's basketball team and also spent two seasons working with the women's basketball program. She, she understands her, she understands that what she is doing is blazing in a trail yeah she had an interview with Forbes where she talked about it in fact her mom had made a comment when she was before she was in, even born that she hoped she had a daughter because she wanted a daughter to blaze a path and that is now what Shannon is doing she looks at other people in the in like in basketball as potential like or she looks at like others who are doing something in the NBA, she definitely wants to coach in the NBA, so she has big goals. Yeah. Fred Hoiberg said, like, her goals are more than obtainable. I love this. And I want to tell you all why really quick. When I saw the news break on this story, I got giddy. I was, like, overjoyed. Big smile on my face was just, like, elated for a few hours <laughs> afterward. Like, I just felt like no one can bring me down. Because when I tell you that representation matters, representation matters and hiring Shannon Loom to work with the men's basketball team at the University of Nebraska is groundbreaking because she is she is going to fundamentally change how people look at things because she is going to. I mean, she's valuable to this team. You yeah. want Fred Hoiberg to keep bringing in really, really strong talent. You know who's behind all of that now? Shannon Loom. I am so excited. I'm so excited. I was like, this is the stuff where like, I remember when I saw Wonder Woman for the first time, mm -hmm. I walked out of that movie theater feeling like I could like change the world. Seeing somebody like Shannon step into the role that she does and seeing the allyship from somebody like Fred Hoiberg it like fires me up. Yeah. Like I want to go out and like change the world myself. Like it's the same feeling, like seeing somebody do something so cool in a traditional male dominated space. It's honestly indescribable. Y'all yeah. it's, it's, it's so hard to explain what this means, but it's really amazing. Well, it's like doors flying open left and right. And then having, I mean, to me, the thing that stands out, not only that it's, Nebraska and it's you know a power five school but the fact that she's as young as she is the the hard work and dedication that it takes to to literally 
break doors open at a younger age just means like to me that we're all like the women of like that are in our age bracket are doing something right because she saw it. She saw an opportunity and the fact that um, it's possible and like ran with it. When you can see something, you can believe it. When you see yeah. when you see somebody else that looks like you, um, you, you start to go, oh, it, it's possible for me. Mm-hmm. I I have long said when you look when you have role models, when you have somebody that you can look to and say, because they're doing it, I'm also capable of doing it. it it's, it changes. And in fact, it, this came up in my like, uh, timeline that I, you know, those like, look back and on Facebook, mm-hmm. like, here's what happened on this day, a few years ago, and I can't remember, was it Mitsubishi, somebody um, did a car commercial where they had a bunch of little girls sitting at a table, and they had it mixed with like, um, Hot Wheels and Barbies and all this stuff. And the little the little girls were gravitating toward the dolls and the tea sets and every like the teacup sets. And they asked them, why are you picking those? Like, why didn't you pick the car? Right. And they showed, um, or they asked and the little girls are like, well, those are boys toys. These are girls toys. So I'm playing with the girl toys. And so they showed them a video of a woman who is the first, um, and I'm just doing a terrible job explaining this story, but if you go Google it and look it up, she was like one of the first racers and won her race. So they show these little girls this video and like all of their, like, it was like the light bulb went off Mm -hmm. in their head where they're like, oh, and they look down and they see one of the cars and they go, this is her car. Like, this is what this toy is, is it's quite literally her car. And they had this moment of like, well, that's not a boy toy. It's just a car. Right. And you saw that change in an instant. Now that's not going to completely unpack everything that like all of the like inadvertent sexism that exists in this world. Like that's not going to suddenly unpack all of that. But that moment of realization for them where they thought, oh, this is her car. And because it's her car, it's a safe thing for me to also play with. Right. Totally changed how they approached everything that was on that table. That is why representation matters because when you see it, you can believe it. And when you see somebody else doing it, you're suddenly like, Oh, I can do that. I can. Yeah. Yeah. So Shannon, Shannon is going to change a lot of lives just by getting this job, but she's also going to go kick butt. I mean, her, her plan for the record, everyone is to be in the NBA within five years. So She, like, as much as we would love for her to be at Nebraska forever, she is already not planning on being here forever. And I think, you know, when somebody like Fred Hoiberg hires her, he knows what he's doing. He knows that, like, if he does his job well, she's going to be in demand and people are going to want to hire her away. Exactly. So. I feel like that just then opens more doors and more opportunity at Nebraska even. Not, Not, let alone, like, everywhere else in the NBA, but, like, Nebraska. Like, I think that that's. To me, that's even like, it's super cool anyway, but I think it's even cooler because it's happening at Nebraska. You know, we're in Nebraska, um, but just to see a program like Nebraska being, you know, one of at the forefront and one of the first schools to be hiring somebody in this position is pretty freaking cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm so excited. I, I'm thrilled for her and it just goes to show like invest in women, invest in women in Mm -hmm. sports, which ties really, really nicely into this next story. I, the article is coming from Deadspin, but you can get this story just about anywhere by Googling it. It's basically about women investing in other women's sports and how this has become a game changer. That is actually the headline from Deadspin women investing in women's sports as a game changer. So basically the premise of this piece is that on Monday, the media startup, and I'm reading from Deadspin, by the way, I'm going to link these things because I don't want to like plagiarize. This is from Deadspin. Um, On Monday, the media startup, Just Women's Sports announced a three and a half million dollar investment from a number of entities, which included Kevin Durant's 35 ventures and individuals like WNBA players, Elena Del Don and Erica Ungumbal, I was going to get it, Ungumbal Baule, an ice hockey player, Hillary Knight, excuse me. I can't pronounce anyone's names ever. And I had that name and then I just totally like couldn't, I just 
got my own dang way. Um, they talked about other, you know, there's been investments in um, women's soccer clubs as mm-hmm. of late. Uh, tennis players have been making um, investments in other teams. Uh, Serena Williams, Mia Hamm, and Julie Foudy, alongside Natalie Par- Portman, are investors in the Los Angeles Angel City Field Club. Um, Kendall Coyne Showfield and then both ESPN Sarah and ESPN Sarah Spain have put up for the Chicago Red Stars. So I'm reading this all from Deadspin. They, they give a long, long list. I'm yeah. kind of paraphrasing poorly. Like I miss like Chelsea Clinton, Jenna Hager Bush. There's like all of these women who are investing in women. So the thing is, is they talk to professors and one of these professors said, you know, this is a watershed moment because it's been about 50 years since the passage of Title IX. And now women are starting to have the money to do this. They have they have the money to invest and they are. So you you have you have women who are now saying, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I tell you to support women in sports. But it's not just that you see. um men stepping up as allies Mm -hmm. like Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, who are also investing in women's sports. We talk a lot about the legacy that Kobe Bryant left when he talked about investing in women's sports, both his time and his money. We are seeing, we are seeing higher levels of viewership in sports than ever in women's sports than ever before. We talked last week about the WNBA and buy yourself a league pass so you can watch, but even some of those games are now starting to end up on ESPN platforms. So they're absolutely free for you to watch. And the viewership is following. I mean, Julie Foudy told Deadspin that the uh, Nebraska, the national (laughs) women's soccer league has had a 500% increase in its viewership. This is the thing is like media has media has held a lot of this hostage. And I take this full ownership, like as a member of the media too. I wrote a story for Hale Varsity about the influence of Nebraska volleyball, not only in the state, but across the country. And let me be clear, the amount of women's sports that make it on things like Fox, ESPN, ABC, all of these like big, the big players is like, nothing we're talking like one and a half percent at one point like it's like the amount of coverage that is dedicated on sports center that is dedicated on shows that you're watching is not much but it's slowly starting Mm -hmm. to change because people are saying i want this and they say that by showing up and putting their time their money and all of this where it's a commitment and they're they're following through on the commitment that is exciting. Yeah. Like this is exciting for women's sports that like the investment is there and women are supporting other women. Right. I like this part too. It wasn't a commitment to the value of the sport. It was about enthusiasm for women as sexual objects. Um, like, like changing that narrative and the questions that are being asked like post game and just paying attention to and cheering on like female athletes because they kick just as much ass like the amount of talent that's out there in women's sports is mind-boggling to me and the fact that it's been ignored or like overlooked for the most part for as long as it has is kind of startling but I'm so glad that it's starting to turn turn to the next page yeah, because, I mean, I, I like how in this Deadspin article they talk about, you know, the p- pandemic has allowed people a moment to sort of reevaluate mm-hmm. priorities, reevaluate what matters. Uh, we have talked a lot about the NCAA and its lack of giving a shit, yeah. for a lack of better words, about women's sports. And these are things that are not new. It's not like the NCAA woke up in 2020 and 2021 and was like, you know what? You know what? We've decided amidst this pandemic, we just really don't care about women's sports. Mm. No, it has just been like this, but a lot of us haven't paid attention. Like I admittedly have not paid enough of it. I have not acknowledged how bad the NCAA has made it for women's sports. And then yes, all of its non-revenue sports for the one person out there that's like, but what about men's cross country? Like I get it. Like Mm -hmm. I hear you, but stop moving the goalposts for just a moment. It just, these things have been a problem for a long time. And, you know, women, women have said, like, I think Mm -hmm. about, and this is what makes me just like, even as a woman, (laughs) It, it gives me such hesitation because I feel awful that like I didn't notice it until now, but you have women's softball coaches at the collegiate level who are like, Hey, we've been telling you that it sucks 
for us Mm -hmm. that the women's college world series has always kind of needed a, like a little bit of a revamp as far as like facilities, um, everything else, but no one's really been listening. So like, we've been saying this, but y'all haven't noticed. Yeah. And like, yeah, this isn't new. Go, you can go, like they have the receipts. The stories are there. We just weren't paying attention. And we just honestly weren't giving a shit because we're distracted by the way things were. Yeah. I think is a good way to put it. Like I noticed that, um, when I was watching the PGA championship over the weekend, there's also a women's PGA championship, but it's not, I don't, I don't think it's on, I don't think it's on NBA, um, NBC sports network, but either way, it's like, Oh my God, duh. Like, why have I never taken the time to watch that before? It's to me as a female who pretends like she can play golf. Like I want to support that in any way I can, because I know how hard it is. Like I would like to appreciate that. But then, you know, I just, it's something sometimes that I just don't think of until it's like, Hey, wake up. It's right here. Pay attention to it. Yeah. Because here's the deal. And this is like this, this I thought was so perfect to fit with this in this story. It was a it was a, it's under their perspective. So I want to be clear. This is a, an opinion piece. It came from the Washington post perspective on college sports. It's the NCAA sold out women's sports in a rights deal. It fights to keep secret. So long story short, um, the NCAA, it just does not want to, re- it is so resistant to reform. Like we know that. So Sally Jenkins is the columnist who put this together and she quoted Senator Chris Murphy, who has said that the NCAA for the civil rights issue, that it is a system, which 80 to 90% of the adults who are getting off of rich college athlete athletics are white men. So when you look at the NCAA softball tournament, again, I'm, I'm reading while well, I'm paraphrasing from the Washington post. These are not my direct words. We, I will link this because again, not plagiarizing. I want you to go look at these things. Mm -hmm. The NCAA softball tournament begins this weekend and the audience for it on ESPN will average about 1 million viewers per game, which by the way is phenomenal viewership. Um, And the championship will probably double that. And yet the competitors don't have a place to shower as coaches have told the Washington post. They have said this before. This is not new. Um, Here's the thing as part of the previously unknown term. So, Women's championships are like a buy one, get one free deal under the NCAA's closely held mega contract with CBS Turner for the men's March Madness basketball tournament. So part of this deal, when NC, when the NCAA gave CBS and Turner, bro, uh, Turner the broadcast rights to the men's basketball championship, they also gave them sponsorship sales for all 90 NCAA championships. So CBS gets to keep revenue from 18 NCAA corporate champions, such as AT&T, AT&T and Coca-Cola. This comes to about $200 million as a part of just the basketball contract. Then these companies get to advertise all over women's basketball, softball, volleyball, gymnastics, and I love how the Washington Post said it, as if they're bonus swimsuit calendars you get free for opening an account. This was a deal made in 2016 by NCAA President Mark Emmert. Um, it's, it's just, when we talk about the discrepancy, and this is the issue that a lot of people, so I remember when the whole thing was going down between the men's NCAA tournament and the women's NCAA tournament, and people were like, well, the men, they're the ones who pull in these sponsors. Yeah, because the women don't have a dang option otherwise. Right. The men's teams are the ones that are getting sold, but they're also technically supposed to be advertising on the women's as well. And the reality is if you're upset with how it's functioning, you cannot come at me and be like, but the men are pulling in these deals because the way that Mark Emmert set this deal up in 2016 was for that to be the way it worked. Mm -hmm. So the women don't have this opportunity to go out and sell anything to the rights to their stuff because it's a part of a package deal within the NCAA. Now you might go that benefits smaller sports. Sure. But it's certainly not benefiting women's softball. Right. Exactly. And it's just, this is the problem is we talk about how the NCAA, so I'm just going to read this line from this this piece again, because it's what I've talked about on this podcast before. The NCAA is supposed to promote and protect all athletes in all 90 sports. Oh. I, I cannot say the NCAA does that in good faith. Yeah. It just, the well, NCAA. Well, clearly it's not when you're packaging deals like that. 
No, it's a it's a nonprofit that it is a, an organization that parades around as a nonprofit that works entirely based like it's it's capitalism mm-hmm. to a degree that like I understand the way the United States works. The way the United States works is we are very capitalist. Like we're just capitalistic to a sense that like it is capitalism reigns. Everything yeah. is money. Everything is how much can I make for this? Like. I get that's the way that we as a country have evolved for better or worse, which is often worse. Mm -hmm. But like in this case, the NCAA is not supposed to like it is not supposed to be like if it's going to make a deal like the one it did, it needs to be more directly fair for everything across the board. Instead, it was a deal that was like kind of, I feel like made to show people, yes, we want to help benefit all of the other sports without real thought as to what it was doing. It was just, this is the best way to make a ton of money, but we're going to also then hamper others from from their full potential because this might be better for everyone. It's, it was a blanket, it's a blanket deal that in my opinion doesn't solve. It actually creates more problems and solves it. Yeah. I think it definitely creates more problems because then, you know, if you treat something like an afterthought, how is anybody, if the, if the, if the institution that puts together the deal thinks of one portion of it as an afterthought, how is everybody else going to also feel about whatever the entity is, whether that be women's sports or the softball tournament or whatever. It's thought about as an afterthought. People don't have places to shower because it was, you know. And when you make these big deals like this, you're restricting the exposure and then the investment. And then this is ultimately going to restrict the ability to um, put the money where you need to, which is to invest in uh, better facilities for the women's Mm -hmm. college world series. It just, these all have effects. And the thing that like member schools of the NCAA, they accept a lot of public funding. Like they, they accept a lot of money. So like, there's just so many like layers here that like, I can't even really fully dive into this like without, Okay, I'm going to read this one little last section. One of the most troubling aspects of the NCAA's serial discounting of women at the top level is that the message and practice leached down to individual schools. Athletic department accountings are notoriously opaque and revenue credit and budgets are heavily slanted toward the men's side. UConn women's basketball is told it runs a deficit. If so, that's only because the accountant wanted to write it down that way. What portion of arena sponsorships, sweatshirt sales, and donor beneficiaries attributable to Gino to the program Mm -hmm. are unassigned or unaccredited. So like, I understand it would be asinine of me to go and tell you like Nebraska women's basketball is running the show as far as like numbers. Like I don't need to be an accountant to know that, but it is like, it, it, it just feels like we're so quick to be like, well, it's a non-revenue sport. So like, I don't have to care about it as much, or I don't have to like give it the same rights, or I don't have to care about um, how I speak about this sport. Like people just forget that, like, we are not talking about professional athletes, which also, by the way, in the point that we're talking about with women investing in other sports, but also when we talk about these TV deals, Mm -hmm. Clearly people want to watch women's sports, but they cannot do it if the access is not there. When I told you all to go buy yourself a WNBA league pass, I also understand there's a level of privilege there. Not everybody has the money to spend on that. So you might be going, I want to support, but I cannot because I, that, that money is either feeding my kids or I'm supporting this, this sport. I get that. Mm -hmm. And it's shitty that you've had to be put in a position to decide (laughs) where like can you support right (sighs) or if they just covered all the sports the same we wouldn't you wouldn't have to make that decision you could go find it on network tv i just feel like we're getting really close especially with the ncaa to a bunch of women lawyering up Mm -hmm. and just starting to sue the heck out of which the washington post brings up uh in this this opinion piece that that's possibly going to happen 
And I do think when you start to talk about name, image, and likeness, um, you're going to have a lot of people starting to look at, you know, the licensing, the sponsorships, where money is coming from. And I understand that there's like this hesitation to some of this where people are like, what is this going to do to like teens? I honestly would sit here and be like, what is it going to do to like the distrust in the universities and distrust and even further distrust in the NCAA? Because people are going to be looking at them and going like, wait, I could have been making all this money all this time and you weren't letting me like women's women's sports. I'm going to just tell you all this. I, I wrote about this for the, this, the same story I was talking about with the, uh, for Hale varsity that I wrote on the uh, volleyball team. Women's athletes have figured out how to be incredibly influential because they don't get the support that the men's teams are getting. So they show up on Instagram and they add followers they add and add and they engage with their following. They yep. sign up for TikTok. They make the TikToks that are going viral. I mean, I look at like the Nebraska women's volleyball team has incredible potential. Some of those athletes to make way more money than most of the men at Nebraska. Yep. Like everyone's all worried about like, what if Adrian Martinez makes all of this money? He certainly could, but you know, who's probably going to out earn him? Lexi Sun. Right. Women sports like the women ath like women athletes like have figured this stuff out y'all like they we we think a lot about sponsorships <laughs> and we think about it very like almost like who's adrian martinez going to be wearing to the game is he going to walk into the stadium and like you know whatever t-shirt and like make money off of that like we almost look at it too traditionally yeah I want to know how much money Kenzie Knuckles is going to make for her TikTok account. Like that's the stuff where I'm like, you know, who's using TikTok? Kenzie Knuckles. You know, who's not using TikTok? Adrian Martinez. And that is not a slight to Adrian. Like that is not at all. Like he doesn't need to use it. He doesn't need to use uh, TikTok if that isn't in the way that she is, if he doesn't want to. I'm just saying we worry about these things, but like, I honestly think name image and likeness is going to like, (laughs) tick off a lot of women athletes who are like, hold up a second. You told me I wasn't going to be able to make money. You told us that we did not make money in this space. Why am I making money here? Right. Exactly. So it's kind of one of those things where it will be interesting to watch. Well, and the times have changed too so much that like, like social media is like king. So even if somebody wore a t-shirt to a game or, or whatever, the person who's utilizing their social media and capitalizing on their social media following, hate to say it that way, but they're going to be the ones who end up making the most money because that's the way that advertising is going anyway. 100%. You all follow influencers, I promise. Yeah. Whether you think you do or not, you follow influencers on um you follow them on Twitter, you follow them on Instagram, and sometimes you don't even realize it, but you have a lot of people who are making bank. And I just want to tell you, influencers, like if you ever look at them and go like, oh, that's nice. They're making a nice little like salary. Some of these people are making a half a million dollars a year, if not more. Yeah. There yeah. are people who are making There are people millions. who can make $10,000 off of a swipe up on Instagram just by going through their stories. Like, mm-hmm. come on. You don't even know how much people are making. If you haven't looked into it, I, I would suggest learning a little bit about how much influencers are making because it's kind of ridiculous. It's amazing, but it's also like, wow. I mean, you see these, you see influencers go out and just buy a Chanel bag because they just mm-hmm. want to. And now y'all, those are like $5,000, right. like easily. Like, and that was, that was probably a video, you know? Yeah. One sixty second just, TikTok. <laughs> and y'all, you all, I keep doing y'all, but everyone swiped up on it. I probably did. Right. I helped contribute to that. I'm just telling you, you look at somebody like Lexi Sun, and the second she has the opportunity to profit off of her name, image, and likeness, she's going to be making bank. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's going to shift a degree of how we view um, women in sports because they're already powerful as heck, but they're going to dominate a lot of this space when it comes to it. We spend a lot of time worrying about how the dynamics are going to change between the quarterback and his offensive line. And if like the, you know, left guard is going to be hurt that the quarterback is making more money than he is. And the thing is, is like, 
I, I'm personally not worried about any of that, but like, I'm honestly less concerned about any of that and more concerned about the, um, random person, the random male athlete that gets upset that like the women are out earning him. Like, honestly, that is probably more of a concern to me is like the amount of sexism that's going to play out here where people are like, Ooh, is she making more than me? I play for this. And it's like, because she has figured out how to, that that person has figured out how to like market themselves yeah, and women exactly. women are marketable so get on board if you aren't investing in women's sports as we've seen you should yeah it's it's a good the investment tides, they are a changing folks they are and one other thing that's changing i told sasha i didn't want to t- spend a ton of time on this because it's a very nuanced conversation that would require a much bigger uh, podcast than just this one but i want to just say if you are not paying attention to this i really recommend just kind of keeping an eye on it and really um doing research about it but there are a lot of um anti-transgender um bills that are currently happening in multiple states to basically not allow uh, transgender uh, trans trans women from participating in women's sports. Um, first and foremost, I just am going to say, and I don't you, get out of my mentions if you're going to find me on this. Transgender women are women. Point. That's just period. There's no further discussion after that. Um, I my whole point on this argument, aside from like, I, I we can get into it another time when I can have a more nuanced conversation and not want to like rip someone's head off. Um, but I just think it's, I think all of these bills are just absolutely asinine and stupid. I think that they're, um, mostly coming from places of misunderstanding, which is fueling hate because people tend to hate what they don't understand. Mm -hmm. Um, but my biggest thing here is aside from where you are on this whole thing for at least right now is check yourself and check to make sure that you're not using anti-trans bills as a way to like, don't, don't make sure that you're not using this idea of supporting women in sports to like fuel your reasoning for that, because the two are, the two do not exist in the same conversation. If you are a supporter of women's sports, you will spend the time actually researching and understanding that, um, the cases that people are so significantly concerned about are incredibly rare. Um, in fact, it's actually shown to be, to do more damage to, to young people to not allow them to participate in sports. Um, it, from a mental health perspective, there are layers here that are going to be potentially um, absolutely horrific for the individuals. It, it's also building this idea that y'all think women's sports have been fair to begin with. Like, mm-hmm. it, I just, I've seen a lot of people in this argument who want to be martyrs on how I'm just trying to support you. I'm trying to support you as a woman. But then when I speak up and say, well, as a woman, let me, let me explain to you where I'm at on this. They don't, don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Now I have seen the, the opinion pieces that have come out of other young women who have said like, I don't want this to happen because I'm concerned about this. And I, I hesitate with some of that because I also hesitate when um so what's what's funny about that is how many people have said you 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 can't trust a child to know if they are you know if they were born if they were born and they they should have been you know a, a woman they should have been a man whatever like you say like well I can't trust their voice until a certain age when they have wisdom and experience and they've had this time to live and yet then we go and find these like 15 year olds and ask them to write a column on how they're mm-hmm. feeling and if you're going to if you're going to validate that individual you need to validate the other voices I think my point is is there's just a lot of um there's a lot of people using very specific things and using people to show like to fuel a rhetoric that they, that they've decided on was their opinion on this because they don't understand fully. Is that Yeah. Because here's the thing. And this is a, this is a piece that was written for on her turf with NBC sports. And I just want to read this little thing. If women's sports are fair, all athletes would have equal access to competitive opportunities. And yet there are no widespread out. There was no 
widespread outrage five years ago at the 2016 Rio Games when the Olympic weightlifting program included 156 quota spots for men compared to only 104 for women. This summer's Tokyo Olympics will actually mark the first time that weightlifting, a sport that has been included on every Olympic program over the last century, will welcome an equal number of men and women. In fact, the Tokyo Olympics are expected to be the most gender-balanced games in history with women slated to make up 49% of the participants. But the opportunity still persists persists elsewhere. So 16 men's soccer teams will travel to Japan this summer compared to 12 on the women's side. Cycling has spots for 300 men, only 228 for women. Boxing, which is the most recent summer sport to now include women, which I'm reading this from NDAC Sports. This is where this information is coming from. Remains the most skewed with 206 men while traveling to Tokyo compared to only 80 women. Um, Men on the reverse, because we always have the like, hey, what about men? Yes, men have been excluded from two summer sports, which is artistic swimming and rhythmic gymnastics, which I would argue uh, you shouldn't exclude anyone from Mm -hmm. any any side of this coin. Um, But the outside of the Olympics, the playing field is just far less equal. So again, from NBC Sports, they did the data compiling from the Women's Sports Foundation that 87 percent of the NCAA institutions are currently not in compliance with Title IX. 87% of our favorite NCAA institutions are currently not in compliance with Title IX. Now you may be going, well, why, who, why, why are they, who's not holding them accountable? Good freaking question. Isn't this the NCAA? Like, isn't this their literal job to hold this accountable? Like, I'm so tired of the NCAA. (laughs) That means nearly nine out of every 10 United States colleges are currently offering male students more access to sports than their female students. Then you go to the professional side. (laughs) Do you know how frustrating it is for me to have conversations with young women for stories I write for Hale Varsity, like the incredible Tristan Edwards? And she's telling me, I hope my playing career isn't done, but like the opportunities for women in softball when they are done with their collegiate career are not what they are for men when it comes to baseball. You have 450 roster spots in the NBA, 144 for the WNBA. Like, we spend so much time using these anti-transgender bills to kind of fuel, honestly, honestly, it feels like fueling hate when we aren't willing to spend time talking about the equality in women. Like, it's not equal. And doing that is not going to make it equal. Because here's the thing. If I bring this up to a lot of people, the same people who, who want to jump in my mentions and tell me like, well, I support women and here's why, they don't want to talk about this. Because you know what they go back to? Sorry, I'm on a rant. But you know what they go back to is, well, the men's sports are making money. And then we go all the way back to the beginning. It's massively frustrating. I cannot even begin to explain how frustrating this is. Because all we're saying is that women and men should be equal. These, these sports, the opportunities in sports should be equal. Investment in them should be equal. Things like the NCAA literally exist to make them equal, but they're not. And we get convoluted in these arguments about whether somebody who is transgender should be allowed to participate in in the sport of the gender they identify as. To be honest, y'all, I don't care. If, if you're going to go, like, honestly, like, take, take a moment to walk in the shoes of somebody who's chosen to be transgender as a teenager. Like, you, you think that the, everyone is just welcoming them with open arms when you literally see these news stories that are just telling them that, like, they can't, they're, they're just doing this so that they can be good at a sport? Yeah, I would, I would really challenge anybody who is... Um struggling to understand to do a little bit of research like I know that we ask you guys to do that a lot on this podcast but I'm serious if you don't understand it take the time to find reputable sources and do some research because this isn't a decision it's a biological it's you don't choose to (laughs) be homosexual you don't choose to be transgender. You are born that way. And if you do a little bit of research, you will and read some stories from from some of these young people. Like, take the time to try to understand. I'm not saying that everybody's going to 100% understand because 
or even 100% agree. Exactly. Like, things that, like, I don't always understand. And sometimes, like, like I said, like, I think misunderstanding and I think sometimes, like, our inability to be uncomfortable yes. fuel hate and fuel ignorance because we're not willing to go and look at, like, this thing that maybe we did not grow up with. Right. And it just, I, it just feels like when I look at, like I said, I, I the most res- recent issue of Hill Varsity, I did a story on Tristan Edwards, who is this incredible athlete. And she's telling me like, I hope that there's a playing opportunity for me. And her mom is telling me, I hope there's a playing opportunity for her. But like, it's just not as easy. There's just not as many pathways for women to continue playing. And that's the same in volleyball. Like Mm -hmm. there's just not as many pathways for women to continue playing volleyball when they're done with their collegiate career. And I think about these things and I'm like, this is what feels unequal to me. Yeah. This is, or unequal would be the correct word, but like, this is what feels unequal to me. And so we're spending all of this time where I have people who tell me, I'm just, I'm just caring about these bills because I care about women in sports. And the, the answer is, is unless you want to have a conversation about how one basketball player, player, Steph Curry, who is the highest paid player in the NBA right now, makes the equivalent of 350 plus at WNBA salaries alone. Like unless we start to have these conversations about the in, unless you want to start having these conversations and you're willing to have it beyond, well, money, the NBA and money and whatever, like we have to, there has to be, sorry, like that was just smiling (laughs) from my brain being so frustrated, but it just feels like it's just in a circle all the time when I'm like, okay, if you're going to have that conversation, why can't we have this one? But then all it does is go back to the beginning. And it's like, we're never going to get anywhere. Well, that cyclical, that cyclical conversation, like though the, the revenue thing sounds like an excuse to me. The, uh, like all of the steps of the cycle of, and of the onion and the layers of the conversation that it always goes in a circle in all of those deflections and what about isms sound like excuses for not understanding to me. Honestly, mm-hmm. when I see that stuff on Twitter, I got to log off because I'm like, Oh, cool. Another person making excuses for not wanting things to be equal. Well, why, why exactly? is my question at the end of all of it, why don't you want things to be equal? What's wrong with things being equal? What's so scary about that? Because that's what it sounds like to me. You're scared about things being equal for some reason, and it ain't me, and it ain't all the other women athletes out there. It's you. So what is, what, what, what is preventing you from wanting things to be equal? Quality people are not afraid of, are not afraid of equality. Like, it's just whatever is fueling that misunderstanding or that inability to see beyond what you maybe think, you know, right now. Um, And I I say this all very much understanding that I don't get everything. I I am still learning a lot all the time. But like, that is the only way that we grow is by stepping back and going, you know what? I don't understand, but I'm willing, I'm willing to at least listen and learn because that is the only way forward. And I'm going to mess up. I'm going to say things incorrectly. We talk about that a lot because here's the thing. We're going to end on a really good note because I told you we were going to bookend this because I knew (laughs) I was going to get fired up. So we're going to bookend this. If you're somebody who is like, okay, all right, I need some good. I need some good. Simone Biles, she is the goat the greatest of all time she put a literal sparkle goat on the back of her leotard (laughs) over this last weekend (laughs) on saturday in indianapolis it was her first competition in 18 months she's a five-time all-around world champion two-time olympian two-time olympic gold all-around gold medalist excuse me she did something that no woman has ever done before i cannot pronounce the name of this (laughs) i can't either it's a Yurchenko double pike. I think I got it on the vault. A Yurchenko double double pike on the vault. If you have not seen this video, you have to go watch it. She had been hinting that she's practiced it. The difference is, is pra- putting it to putting it in place in practice is different than actually competing and doing it in competition. She landed it in competition. It has since gone viral. Um, so. It's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen, I think. But from yes. an athleticism standpoint, from a talent standpoint, like I my when I say my jaw dropped, 
I was like, oh my, she's the best in the world, like on the planet of earth. <laughs> like she is truly changing gymnastics to yeah. the point. And this is something that has come up because there's a story in the New York times and the New York times like did an okay job, but they didn't fully explain, um, sort of the scoring of gymnastics because a lot of people were upset that she was scored a 16.1, which was the highest for the apparatus at the meet. It wasn't, and this is, I'm quoting from Yahoo sports. It wasn't as high as it could have been, whether it's because it wants to discourage other gymnasts from attempting her moves or just reluctance to embrace the way the sport is evolving. The international gymnastics federation, which sets the starting score for all moves undervalued her vault. It's not the first time it has been undervalued. It has undervalued one of her extraordinary and capable of being done by other gymnast moves. Um, but the thing is, is when she was asked about not getting as much credit in the scorebook as she would have liked, she responded that she does this because she can incredibly powerful words. The thing is, is like, yes, Simone Biles should have been scored higher for that. A hundred percent. She did something no one else has done before. Um, but she is going to change the way that the scoring works. She's also sending a message to women and young girls everywhere that you don't have to dial anything back. Right. If you are the greatest all time, you go out there and you do that. You do that move. You do that thing that people tell you not to do because it, it, it scares them. Right. I, it, I mean, the thing is, is, she she is going to go to the Olympics and she is going to absolutely destroy everyone. She is just so good. And you can't be scared of it. She's going to do it because she can. Because she can. Right. When you're and you know what? Literally. Just sit back and appreciate it. <laughs> like read this. And if you haven't seen it, I'm retweeting it right now. But she is the first woman in history, in history of anything, to perform in um, the moving competition and like successfully land it. But she's the first one to ever perform it even. Like, I just watched it again while you were talking about the details of this. And I was like, oh, she's just such an incredible athlete. She's just so damn gifted. And I I admire her so much for, like, unabashedly being as talented as she is. Like, I'm not going to – why? and I love that, like, she doesn't feel the need to hold back just because it's intimidating or scary to other people. Like she's doing stuff that literally no one else can do. No one. I love this line from Yahoo sports. She won't do less because the sport can't catch up to her superiority. Right. And that is a hundred percent. It do not do less. Do not do less because others are afraid of you. This, the, one of the best things I've ever been taught is that women need to take up space So if you are ever feeling small or if you are ever feeling, if you're ever having a day where you feel like you don't matter, stand up and do either the the Wonder Woman super superhero pose where you put your hands on your hips, you spread your legs out and just stand for a minute. Right. The other thing is, is just stand there and put your arms out. Take up space. You exist in this world and you have gifts. And this goes for all of you who listen to this podcast, who have daughters or who have people in your world. The world is going to make them feel less than the world is going to tell them that they talk too much, that they're too Mm. loud, that they're too this, they're too big. Their shoulders are too broad. Their thighs are too big. They are too much. They're too talented. They're too smart. They're too this. They're never too much of any of that. And all of you with daughters know that, but you have to acknowledge the fact that like, this is something that society has allowed to continue and we are we all perpetuate it whether we intend to or not and so it is just acknowledging that like women are here to take up space let women take up space celebrate Simone Biles but don't just celebrate Simone go and look up the stories of the women who are changing their sports changing their industries changing what they're doing because they're damn good at it and they do not owe a single person an apology for being so good and if if whatever they're doing does not yet live up to their standards, well, then those things are, those standards are going to have to change. Those people are going to have to come meet them. They do not need to come back down and be like, all right, come with me. No, no, no. You need to go get to them. Yes. Period. That's a mic drop. (laughs) I was, you was making him good because I get (laughs) fired up and then I'm like, and I don't have anything to add because you said it perfectly. Like everything I wanted to say, you just said all of it. That was amazing. And perfect. I appreciate you. I'm going to end personally here. 
I have spent a lot of time in the last year dealing with very significant, we've talked about it on this podcast, very significant imposter syndrome, feeling like I don't belong, feeling like I talk too much, feeling like I do. And the talk too much thing, by the way, has come up a lot in my head with the podcast. I worry a lot. Am I, am I going off on too many tangents? Are people going to listen and get annoyed with me? And that's possible. Um, But the thing is, is like, we are all different human beings and some of us are going to talk more. Some of us Mm -hmm. are going to talk less. Some of us are going to be really good at this. Like for the record, like Sasha is could kick my butt every which way to Sunday with all of the stuff you do with your work, your workouts with meathead test kitchen, like all like bow to Sasha (laughs) because she posts like videos of the things she does. And I'm like, what, what, (laughs) We all have things that we are, we are strong at and good at. Like Sasha is so good at like, you are like so good at like calming me down, making me feel like, I don't know, like powerful about myself. And so like, the thing is, I think when we sit back and acknowledge that we all have these super powers, like we all have these superpowers and they're not all going to be the same. You start to kind of be able to unpack the fact that like women deserve the nuance we deserve all of it. And so I think when we talk about all of these women in sports, the best way to support it is do your research, show up for women, follow women on Twitter, on your social platforms, yeah. reshare their words, um, seek out people who think differently than you. Um, I don't know. It's just, those are things that go a long way. They really do. Well, and I, something I think about a lot lately too, um, is just like, having the ability to actively listen is super important. And I think it's, I know that it's difficult to do. It's not the easiest thing on the world in the world because we've just been, some of us have been brought up in an environment where we were never actively listened to. So actively listening to other people is difficult, but like I learned so much from, from you, Aaron and, Mm. and from Sadie on meathead test kitchen, just because I, instead of thinking about what my response is going to be, I just listen. I'm actively listening and that's what actively listening is. I'm not thinking about a rebuttal, which is sometimes why I don't have a whole lot to say because I'm soaking up knowledge that I need to hear. Um, And I think that sometimes that's hard to do um, in a society that moves so fast and is so dependent on um, social media and and the, the, the fastness of social media still continues to blow my mind. But just actively listening and soaking up something, if you feel at a loss for words, it's probably the universe telling you that you need to be listening. Um, and that's that's kind of what I, I try to do a lot anymore. Um, if I'm feeling frustrated with something, um, maybe that's my turn to actively listen at that point in time. Or if I'm feeling at a loss for words, it's time for me to actively listen. But like building up like as females, I think it's so important. That's why I, I love this podcast. But like building up other females, we're not in competition with each other as females. Like none of us are just building each other up and being like, hell yeah, like you are awesome at this or you are incredible at this or I see you and just acknowledging the fact that we're all in the spaces that we belong in at this very moment in time at this very second will move mountains and continue to push Mm -hmm. forward the fact that we belong here and we belong in spaces and taking them up and like just putting our sunshine out there like (laughs) I don't know how else to word it than that but we're all exactly where we need to be. We are, and we appreciate all of you for giving us this space and allowing, I know we say that a lot, but seriously, truly, sincerely, the fact that like you allow for us to continue this podcast. Um, I, I look forward to continuing these conversations and we definitely will. We obviously are going to um, be off for at least one week, maybe two, depending, um, which if you want to have a conversation with us, we're always available at mind your own podcast at hillvarsity.com. Yes. You can tweet at us as well. I'm at Aaron Sorensen. She's at Sasha 72, but again, the email address is mind your own podcast at hillvarsity.com. I do want to leave on one 
really quick final note, because I feel like it would be remiss not to mention this because we've talked about this on this podcast before, and it's important to continue furthering this conversation as well. But I'm going to read the words of Chelsea Jackson Roberts. She's a yoga instructor for Peloton. Um, But I saw her post this this morning on Instagram. Today, the day we are recording is the one year anniversary of the murder of George Floyd. Um, she saw a photo that she reshared, but I, her words really resonated with me. So I want to just share them. Pictured here is sweet Gianna Floyd holding a picture of her short yet sacred time with her father, George Floyd. Soon after I read these words and she read the words from Octavia Rahim. Listen, we are doomed to repeat what we refuse to remember as individuals and as a nation. And then Chelsea added, I will never forget the last year. I will never forget how my heart, body, and mind felt. I will never forget how conversations felt. I will never forget the gravity of witnessing George Floyd call out for his mother after seeing the footage I tried so hard to avoid. I will never forget those feelings. As hard as it may be to remember, I don't want to forget. We cannot forget. We cannot, we cannot stop the work. We say this a lot is not over. We have so much to continue to unpack to be actively anti-racist, and that does not change. One year later, I am proud of the work we have made, but we have so much further to go. So I want to just end this podcast remembering and honoring the life of George Floyd, who should still be here today. Nothing, nothing uh, feels just when a life is gone, but may his, may his memory not be in vain. May we continue to actively work toward truly being anti-racist and, um, holding, holding, you know, our, our police accountable when we talk about that, like, it's not a bad, like we always kind of jump to conclusions of what those things mean. We've made progress. We have a lot further to go. So Thank you for being here. May may we be better next week than we were today. And again, one year from today, may we be even better then. But thank you again, as always, for being here. We will be back soon enough. Please listen to the past episodes and shoot us an email. We would love to hear from you. We love you guys. Bye. Bye. A Huda Media Production.